waste. It will never go to waste. For a very long time. For a very, very long time. <laughs> like into your marriage long time? We were engaged. <laughs> I mentioned this to say that maybe you're like me and you just can't remember dates very well or chronological events and things of that nature. They just don't come naturally to you. I'm not a historian, okay? It's just not my, my skill set. And I'll admit that. And I do find that the Old Testament a little bit confusing, and the fact that it's not laid out in chronological order does not help this brain of mine at all. I'm sure you have found that to be true for yourself at times, from time to time. I say that because there's so much surrounding our text for today, and I'm not going to claim to have all of it figured out. This is a very complex story. The whole Old Testament is quite complex. It's not only difficult to cover an entire context and the trajectory of any one section of text, but there are also so many people in the biblical narrative that are not centered or who are ignored as contributors to the larger story of God. All that to say that preaching would be a lot easier if we just didn't touch the Old Testament. <laughs> But here we are, and we've been doing more and more so over the last few years. I think there was a point, I made a joke last fall, I think, when we did the Kohelet series, that we hadn't actually ever hung out an entire Old Testament book ever in the history of this church, to my knowledge. And so, here we are, back in the Old Testament, not for the whole series, though. Yeah. So, as we find ourselves maybe scratching our heads from time to time, um, over the text, or whatever text that we're reading, I want to at least encourage us to do so together with some uh, grace and with lots of comments. So last week I described that this series that we're entering into now, this is the second week, centers around the idea of jubilee. We are still in ordinary time, uh, according to the liturgical year, if you will, as we enter this period of, ju of jubilee, which is really about celebrating, finding joy, and participating in redistribution. That's what jubilee is. Because we have done the hard and good work of composting and stretching and growing through this year of renewal. Uh, I mentioned last week, every fall season, we take a survey of the Old and New Testaments. Um, part of the reason that we do this is to help ourselves find our place in the story of God and to see it uh, as more of a full story and trajectory. So that's what we're doing. In doing so, we are now, in this season, going to consider how familiar narratives reveal the uncoercive seed that resides in Scripture. So allowing the natural processes of metabolization within ourselves to take place alongside some external composting work, we're going to connect with what is being awakened in us and what our bodies know. Those generative forces that are passed down through the ever-expanding table of the Lord. 
and of course we will continue to gather and to feast and to take delight. Last week we briefly touched on what is known as the Holiness Code. You might not have missed much except for the ice cream for communion, so sorry about that if you weren't here. But the Holiness Code is a nice way of just naming all the rules that were established between God's self and the people of Israel on Mount Sinai through Moses. However, we pointed out that the text was more about um, relationship, a covenant relationship, and not quite as much about just rules or a bunch of rules. Today we're going to continue looking at covenants, at relationships, and this time the covenant with Abram and Sarai. Here, welcome to turn to our text. It is Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. It is also linked in your e-bulletin if you want to just click it. I am simply going to walk through our text and make some comments. And they were going to turn as we did last week, and we will continue to do throughout this series, to a time of reflection, small group discussion. That's why the, the chairs are still kind of the way that they are. And then we're going to have a few moments of our group uh, reflection back um, as well at the end, okay? So as I read, I want to encourage you to pay attention to your body, to what you feel in your body, and maybe what your body might know about God as I read, okay? And I am going to pause throughout. All right, so chapter 15, verse 1. After these things. Now, after what things, right? That's question number one. After what things? All right, so this text comes after Abram had taken, it says 318, very precise number, of trained men born, both, uh, born in his household to pursue invaders who had taken his nephew Lot along with many, many other people who fell in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he defeated them, and he retrieved stolen property, and he brought home the people and the women, okay? King Melchizedek of Salem brought bread and wine to him and blessed him, saying that he was blessed by God, the Most High Creator, who is worthy to be praised and delivers from our enemies. Abram then gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything, and then the king of Sodom tried to give Abram a reward, which he refused to actually take personally. So after all of this has taken place, after these things, the Lord's message came to Abram in a vision. These words, in a vision, are the literary formula for revelation that is pretty standard in prophetic books. Okay? So the night vision, or the makaze, it, that is invoked here also is a prophetic mode of experience. So we need to understand this as an experience that he's having. So the Lord's message came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield and the one who will reward you in great abundance. Remember, he had turned down the reward. Okay? This is a pivotal moment in the story and begins with this prophetic address. That is frequently made by divine messengers. Fear not, or do not be afraid, right? This, of course, we hear again in the New Testament. This is familiar to us. I want to be clear, though, that this prophetic address is not some dismissal of fear in general. Rather, it is a reminder that God diminishes or puts to rest the fear that naturally wells up within us when we are in the direct presence of God. Fear not. 
But Abram said, O oh, sovereign Lord, what will you give me since I continue to be childless? And my heir is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram added, Since you have not given me a descendant, then look, one born in my house will be my heir. It's helpful at this point to recall that back in chapter 12 of Genesis, God called Abram, saying, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Promising to make him the spiritual ancestor or parent of God's family. Yet at this point in the story, Abram has no land and no heirs. Not only indicating that the promise has yet to be fulfilled, but that he's also got two strikes against him to feeling secure in his day and time, in his culture. So Abram freely calls the promise of God into question with a bold statement of doubt. How refreshing, isn't it? All right, and additionally, according to the Hebrew Bible commentary, uh, it notes that Damascus may be actually a play on words. So this name, Eliezer of Damascus, could be a play on words, referring actually to a Hebrew word that means steward or his household maintenance. And the name Eliezer was actually a West Semitic name, which would be surprising for someone actually from Damascus. So rather, Eliezer's lineage could have possibly come from Southern Arabia or even as far south and west as Ethiopia or Eritrea. Meaning that this person was clearly not Abram's heir in the traditional sense. Interestingly enough, too, in Hebrew, the name actually means help of God. I find it beautiful, still, that Abram claims that this person is his heir at this point, even while God has other things. Verse 4, but look, the Lord's message came to him. This man will not be your heir, but instead a son who comes from your own body will be your heir. The Lord took him outside and said, Gaze into the sky and count the stars, if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So will your descendants be. Quite oddly, at this point, God reiterates the promise pointing to the stars, or the heavens, which proves nothing, of course. In verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord credited it, that is hard to say, credited it as righteousness to him. So with no proof whatsoever, other than look at the stars, right? But only a word and a vision, Abram believes. He displays this radical trust in the power of God's speech to create some new reality that allows him to follow God. Who knows why? We don't. We may attribute this as a faith that is a gift from God. So that's the end of our text for today, but the story, of course, doesn't actually end there. The words of the covenant continue through the end of the chapter. With clarity, the Lord speaks to Abram about the fate that lies before him and his people. Yes, there will be oppression and enslavement. And yet Abram will also go to his ancestors in peace. 
and his kin will return to the land someday. Well after his time, actually into the fourth generation. This land, according to Jose Humphreys, author of Ecosystems of, Ju of Jubilee, is defined as God's jurisdiction of love and a gift to the people, an extension of God's ecosystem, where there will be jubilee, a justice that circles back to the people, a people who were to live as a liberated and just community. A people who today, Willie James Jennings says, are folks who live with the mindset of the neighborhoods as commons. The air, the oceans, the wildlife, the shared social creations, as well as creative spaces, all which is inherited and cre created jointly and will hopefully last for generations to come. This uncoercive seed, the covenant relationship, lasts and will continue to show up. The story continues. And I, I want to mention that it's uh, unnamed in our text today, uh, in this particular section, are Sarai and Hagar. They eventually come into view in the next couple of chapters. And there's no denying that the story gets a bit messy or complicated from this point as people try to push the promise to fruition. But I want to note that the promise is fulfilled through a woman and a marginalized person's body, a pattern we will see again and again throughout Scripture. Within chapter 16 and chapter 17, the Lord actually promises both Hagar and Sarah children. And eventually the promise and sign of the covenant is reiterated with Abraham and Sarah as they are given new names. And then in chapter 17, verse 27, if we were to read it, it actually indicates that everyone in their household, whether biological heirs or their chosen kin or otherwise, were incorporated into the covenant. Yes, the uncoercive seed, God's covenant, this relationship continues to show up. The kingdom is becoming, and the table of the Lord ever expanding. May it be so. So I would like us to sit with this text a little bit. Like I said, you've got it there in your QR code and your um, bulletin there if you want to turn to it. Um, or if you want, I think there may be a Bible down here. We keep some in this basket that gets pulled up every day. Um, several, actually. But you're not going to find it in your, um, if you have the First Nations version with you, it's not in there. So anyway, I'm going to encourage you to kind of group up. I'm going to give you a few minutes of personal reflection time, and then I'm going to uh, indicate a time where we're going to move into some small group discussion, and then we will eventually move into a larger group, just the opportunity to reflect back uh, any word or phrases that are coming up for us. Okay, but I want you to reflect on three questions. They are kind of our set questions, if you will, for this entire series. They are in your bulletin, and I'm going to read them for us so that you can be reflecting on them. And there are these. What is being awakened in us? Especially as we read the text. What is being awakened in us? 
What do our bodies know about the generative forces that we hear coming through this particular text? And how might that uncoercive seed give way to life that is being passed down to us as we come to the table of the Lord? We give you a few minutes, like three minutes of personal reflection. You are welcome to use, there's paper, feel free to tear it off if you need extra pieces at your table. There's crayons, there's uh, color pencils, markers around and whatnot, or just sit quietly, whatever is helpful to you for reflection.
your your groups. So let's do them. Sorry, I hit a wrong button on the trying to mute the uh, mic again. So, uh, there we go. Um, so we have Sarah on Zoom. Okay. <coughs> I'm going to. So we had a problem because they couldn't hear the group. Yeah. So what yeah. I was going to do is take my microphone, put it up there, and say, ask anyone who's going to speak. Yeah, I think that's the. Yeah, because we've we've had it before where we tried to have Melissa or Brittany like hold, like that's just it just doesn't work, right? Saying can just be heard through Zoom. <laughs> 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 so, not to go down an entire rabbit trail, but you interested in any weather I can get my hands on? Or great, because it's obviously easier to get standard green bottle than the antique. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, antique would be the higher priority yeah. too. But honestly, it's, I mean, antique probably. I have well, probably. I have one bottle of antique at home that Sean and I got as a birthday present from our connection in Ohio. So I, I've tried it once because I like. Who knows if I'll ever get it again? <laughs> but man, is it good! <laughs> it is probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that like one hundred seven to one eleven proof is like the sweet spot. Man, <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I have a. I think I've shared it with you guys. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's like. These are a little bit better than yeah. the but for like four times the price retail. Yes. Or uh, 20 times the price. Right. 30 times the price. Secondary. <laughs> it's not worth it. You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's not. that extra 20% better. Right. It's not four times better. Right. <laughs> 
and so it's like for a realistic standpoint of burger we can obtain right. it just requires a bit of effort yeah. so there's a bit more than a bit but it requires some effort like I would, you can't eat it it's just so yeah. yep we uh so Sean and I last week we had our music festival in Chattanooga mm-hmm. and it was our anniversary of the weekend before that so we did before the music festival Sean and I just went down ourselves and did a night in Louisville and then a day in or day in Louisville night in Bardstown day in Bardstown then down to Tennessee so we did like five distilleries including one of which was a brandy distillery Copper and Kings down there but we did a bunch of ones that like I hadn't had a lot of their stuff before so we did uh, Peerless Rabbit Hole um, Bardstown Bourbon Company and Lux Row Bardstown uh, Bourbon Company is their stuff's really really good <laughs> so we got a bottle there that they didn't have on their tasting that like I they weren't really pushing but they had like just released a weeded bourbon like bottle and bond bottle the black bottle it was 50 bucks I was like okay 50 bucks there the cheapest thing you're ever going to find there. So I haven't tried it yet because I bought too many bottles and I'm trying to, yeah, I blew through like the two-year whiskey budget. <laughs> but like, I'm very excited to see how that compares to Weller because they're both kind of elited mm-hmm. just because everything I've had from Bardstown has been great, though at a pretty, a pretty high price for it, you know? <laughs> black Label's good. I've had the Black Label. The White Label is, they sort of came out with the White Label and the Black Label at the same time. Right, yeah. And the thing is, is that most of their bourbons, they're really good. They yes. source their way in The White Label and the Black Label is their Right, and they just really are starting to, right. like, roll that out. Yeah, and, <laughs> and so I actually like the White Label better than the Black Label. Okay. But, that, I mean, that's just, yeah. every place is different. But it's good. It's yeah. good. And so, yeah, and I, have, I have, I bought a bottle of the white label and enjoyed that. I, I see the white label all the time. In fact, I think they have the black label too. There's a place down by where I live, between myself, where I live, the Schultz is there. Okay. So when I go down to their house, uh, I'll stop and see what they have. It's usually, they actually have a really hot stuff the last time I was there. Uh, for 53 bucks, which is a good price for that. That's, yeah, like, that's reasonable. Like, yeah. I think MSRP is like 40 or 40 bucks. So like, I think it's really good. But I didn't buy any of that. I didn't buy any of that. I haven't explored it a ton, but right by where Sean and I live, because we live at like Brookside and Rural, basically, the Rural Inn at Michigan and Rural. I want like on my way to something else. I had to pick up like a six pack of beer to take somewhere, and I was on my so like I spent like five minutes just like poking around. Yeah. I need yeah, to like insane. I need yeah. to move in there. Like yeah. I need to like start meeting people there and mm-hmm. doing stuff because their selection. Yeah, that's what I'm, I kind of need to like start like looking out for because I follow them on Instagram and they announce it there. Like, and I'm close enough that if it is a boy, this is going quick. I can walk there before, you know. Like, it's it's not like I'm like, oh man, I got to make a 45 minute trip into town for it. Like, it's it's right there. Four roses, single barrel barrel yes. I've read, I've not had that one, but I've heard it's unbelievable. Uh, thing because they're all different, right? Yes, yeah. it's a single barrel. Right. right. And they have different recipes that they do for them. And 
those have been some of the best bourbons I've ever had. But it's hard because they're all single barrel, so there's there's no consistency across that. So it's hard to right. be like, oh, like that's my favorite bourbon because it's like, well, some of them I've liked from that, but some have been. This is one of the best bourbons I've ever had. I find that, and others are just like really good. Yeah, yeah. I find that fascinating because like, so we did Peerless. We didn't do it to where we just did a tasting. We didn't love, especially at the price they were charging, a lot of their stuff. But their single barrel rye, that barrel was really, really good. So like we got our bottle of, of that one, but you know their stuff, it was for Sean and I's palate, like a pretty wide range of of profiles to it, right? And they just weren't all working for us. Did you, did you get to try their double? That was that was never ever seen. It was it was very good. So they have their double oak rye, and I think they had a double oak bourbon too. Yeah, and so the, the the tasting was there are four kind of standards, and then you could choose the double oak rye or the double oak bourbon as your fifth tasting. So Sean and I we got different ones, and then kind of did half the tasting and traded. They were they were great. They were. Two hundred dollars a bottle, like at like at that distillery. We're like, eh, we're you know, we're going to five plate. Like we didn't really think it was like a two hundred dollar bottle, good, but it was very very good. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it wasn't two hundred, but it was. It's still, it was well over a hundred. Like they never discount anything at the distillery. No, right. it's like whatever they want to charge. Yeah, yeah, and my. Well, yeah. My expectation was not that we would get discounted bottles, but we were just like, hey, it's really good, but like, when, when we're comparing it to like, yeah, comparing it to other places we had gone and where we wanted to check out, like, it just kind of had to pick their spots a little bit. <laughs> well, if there's anything we're looking for, we're, my guys will be on a camping trip in a few weeks. And oh, we're yeah. going to hit a couple of places. So if there's anything you want to be on the lookout for, I certainly will. Yeah, okay. I'll get you a list. Anything that kind of came up for you or in your in your discussion, 
Uh, and as we do that, first of all, I'm going to ask that you say your name. So Melissa Millis, if you'd like to give a visual description uh, to help folks out a bit, you're welcome to do that. I'm like 40, wearing a, a sweater. I wait almost always. I wore this last Sunday too. This sweater, I love it. Uh, it's pumpkin color. It's my favorite fall sweater. Um, I got gray in here. There's that. Um, yeah, that's good. So anyway, if you feel like giving a, a visual description, uh, do so for um, those folks who would appreciate that. Um, and then as you share, we're going to listen to one another. And after the person shares, if there is like a word or a phrase you want to repeat back, something that resonates with you, or if you want to repeat it back and then add another word or two, feel free to do that as well. The whole point is for us to share with one another, learn from each other, and hear what resonates as we build that culture here. Um, so, all right, um, I'm going to ask if anyone would like to share a word or 